0: Amen. It's a little more time. A little more time. It's good to be here. I'm glad to, you know, Brother Hanson is going to speak for us today. We're thankful for him. I know he's going to bring us God's word. Amen. Is he going to come? On a lighter note, I am going to, um, let's see, getting ready to speak to us. Uh, lady was teaching Sunday school class the other day, and um, she was teaching about, you know, when you know, uh, Lot and them left Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, Lot's wife turned around and looked. She turned around and looked. She came not pillar of salt. So this young boy in the class raised his hand up. She said, what What you want to say? She said, my mom was going to the store that day and she turned around and looked and turned into a telephone pole. You know, you know you're there when you can come up with them cool jokes like that, them, them old preacher jokes. Yeah. Uh, that's how you know you've made it when you got the cool preacher jokes. Uh, I just want to start off by saying how thankful I am for everybody and all the love that's shown me and and my wife and we. Or at least I don't feel like we deserve that at all. Uh, now There's a lot, of, a lot of people that do a lot, probably more a lot more than me. Uh, AJ, for example, does a lot. Lloyd and Lisa do a lot. Bridget and Aaron do a lot. Uh, there's a lot of people that does a lot. The grass gets mowed. There's people working all the time. Darren does a lot. Beth does a lot. There's a lot of people in this church that work really, really hard and don't get... And hey, and don't expect to get any credit. Don't expect to get a thank you for leading our, our hymnals or leading our Sunday night services or anything. And this is a really good church. Amen. And I, I honestly, I hate getting any credit or being called pastor or any of that because in comparisons to him, it's, I'm not. And 35 years of service to just this church, I'm nowhere near in the same breath as him. And man, what he's meant to me in my life and what he does for this church is unmatched. You will not go anywhere and find anyone that has served a church more faithfully than what he has this church. And so we, we want to say thank you to you, Brother Darvin. And also for me personally, stop stop putting my name and his name in the same. Stop doing that. One card, one card for him. <clears throat> On maybe a little lighter note, uh, I was sitting back in the office, and I've coached a bunch of basketball games this week. Didn't win very many of them. And so I was mad pretty much all of those, you know. I hate losing and Rachel will tell you I'm like I'm the soreest loser of all time. I, I'm just a sore loser. I hate losing and getting a bad attitude about losing and I was thinking I was thinking back in the office, I wonder how many people what and I had to coach two yesterday, lost both of them, to the green team of all of all teams. <laughs> we all know what the green team is. Some of you might be playing for the green team and I guess that's okay as long as we're in church together. But I was thinking. I wonder how many stans, how many people in these stands would go? Isn't that guy? Don't he preach or something? <laughs> and then I got to thinking. I was like, What if I? What if um? It's hard to turn it off. It's hard to turn the coaching off. It's hard to go home and like not think about it and obsess about it, losing and you adjustments. It's just hard to turn it off. So then I'm preparing for the sermon and I'm trying to think about. I'm like, what if I start like it comes off as like coaching rather than preaching? I mean, so I, it's possible I'm liable to be out here and I'm trying to bring up a good sermon point, but I could have my fish clenched and be and and yelling and and screaming at the same time. <clears throat> so I'm trying to avoid doing that. I don't ever want to turn into the the coaching preacher, the mad the mad because I'm su- I'm super mad and, and competitive in the game, and it's. I know that anybody, if any of y'all seen me coach, I was thinking, this just don't, this don't seem right. <clears throat> but with that all being said, I think, I think God's got a plan. And before we get into the message, let's just open up in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we, we come to you and we're thankful uh, for who you are and what you mean to this church, Lord. And God, right now as we go into the service, Lord, we know that you're here. We know that you're present, God, but we pray that you would just lead the service in the way that it needs to go. Lord, I pray that you use your spirit to speak to me and through me, God. I pray that you would convict us, God, uh, in the areas of our life that needs conviction. I pray that you would open up our eyes and our hearts, God. I pray that you'd give us eyes that see and ears that would hear. Lord, it is not by me, but it is only by you. We need you today, Jesus. I pray that we, you would lead this service, and I pray that everything that we say and do, would just honor and glorify you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start off with a question. Very simple question, but I want you to really think about it. Do you believe the Word of God? Do you believe what the Bible says? Do you believe it? Don't say it out loud. You can answer that for yourself. Do you believe the Word of God? I would venture to say that everyone would immediately say, yes, of course, I believe the Word of God. I think most... Probably most Bible Belt Americans would say, yeah, I believe the Word of God. Yes, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I go to church. That'd be the response. They wouldn't say yes. It's, oh yeah, I go to church. <clears throat> but do you really believe the Word of God? How do you believe the Word of God? Amen. What does that look like, believing the Word of God? What is Faith. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. What is faith? What is that, that belief in God? Is that faith? How do I have faith? How do I believe the Word of God? I would venture to say that everyone would say, yes, you believe the Word of God. And I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about in general when you peel back the layers of everyone's life, it would become a lot more in question as to whether you actually believe the Word of God. And, I, and like I said, it, this is just what's been pressed on my heart this, this past week. And it seems like my, my, my close personal friend group in the past like month or so has really been under attack. So just the, may, people my age, just going through stuff. People going, just going through it. Whether it's loved ones that are that are sick and are hurting, uh, just big decisions that's going on in their life, or accidents, or just major life-altering, whatever's circumstances. And so it, this past month, man, I've been, I've been spread thin, uh, helping and and trying to pray with them and talking with them and all these things and i think it's just a reminder that man every person on earth goes through bad things right. we all go bad go through bad things <clears throat> and it's life's not easy Amen. but jesus also said it wouldn't be Amen. and the bible also says you know don't be discouraged when your faith is tested don't be discouraged be encouraged because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance Amen. and perseverance must finish its work but when it's finished its work you'll be perfect honoring God with your life <clears throat> and i see a lot of i see a lot of people that struggle that don't turn to God at all and I, i'm not talking about my personal friend group there because they all have this foundation on Jesus Christ, and they knew, hey, this is where we need to go. This needs to be, this is a battle through prayer. Whatever the circumstance was, and it's lots of different circumstances, they had that foundation, and they knew, hey, I need to call and talk to somebody. I need to call and talk to a fellow believer, and we need to pray, and we need to seek God together because we know that God is the answer. But when you look at the world and you look at our society and you look at our country, you look at where things are going, that's not the typical response from people. I would venture to say that's not even the typical response of the church. Times get tough and, and we say, uh, well, you know, we'll be praying for you. Uh, I've been praying. I've been seeking God, but He hasn't answered me. And a lot of times, fellow believers give suggestions like, well, maybe you need to go see a doctor. You, can, you know, you can get a pill for whatever. And I'm not running this down, so hear me out. God made doctors, and He made people that were really smart, and they made medicine, and medicine is God's work. 100% believe it. But medicine should never replace God. Amen. It was never meant to replace God. And I, I can take a pill and it can make me feel better, but it can't give me peace in my heart. Amen. And I think so many times we label a spiritual problem as maybe a mental problem, or we label another spiritual problem as, well, you just need this, this upper or whatever, and we give them this pill, and that's acceptable. And everybody goes through hard things, There's battles going on in hearts in this room right now that is, I can't imagine. Stuff that people bottle up. People go through stuff. People go through hard stuff. But it seems like our society wants everybody to be victimized. Hey, everybody's a victim. And we use that mentality to justify a behavior that's not honorable to God. The victim mentality. Oh, I'm the victim. Well, you you don't have the anxiety that I have. Well, you didn't have to go through what I had. Hey, I was abused. Hey, I my my husband's an alcoholic or whatever it is. I'm a hey, I'm a victim. I tried seeking God. I prayed. God didn't answer me. He's got something against me. I actually heard a story the other day. I was listening to a sermon. This is a true story, real deal story. This pastor was in, I think, a bar, actually, ironically. This pastor was in a bar, and he was talking to one of his friends, and one of his friends was drunk. And he was really discouraged, and he had a really bad attitude. And he was saying, well, you know, man, God loves you. And and the guy goes, no, no, God God don't love me. He don't love me. And the the guy said, I've never done this again. I've never done this since. So this is the only time I ever did this. He said, I looked at that guy and I said, you know what? God don't love you. You're the only one on this whole planet that's ever lived. God don't care anything about. He don't love you. And he said, the guy said, whoa, wait a minute. He said, he might a little bit. And he said, no, you were right. He don't love you. Out of everybody here, he don't love you. He said, you're destined. To go to the bad place, you ain't gonna make it to the good place, because God don't love you. And he said, by the end of the night, that God convinced himself that God loved him. And he said, then he said that was the that was the one time that his his drunk friend led himself to the Lord. <laughs> but initially, we wanna we wanna take the victim mentality, and for whatever reason, society says that's the way we should go. That's acceptable. Everybody have your own pity party. Everybody have your own Facebook post about it. You're a victim. Oh, we feel sorry for you. <clears throat> and when, when I look at this Bible, man, and I look at past generations, and I think about, well, I mean, I think about like my dad. My dad works way more hours than I work right now. And he's almost 60 and you think about the generation before them. I look, at, I look at Darwin's generation. These are men that just make, me and AJ talk about this. We're like, man, we just are, we're soft to the generation above us. We're just, we're not as tough. We don't work as hard. We complain about more. Lord, as Lloyd knows, Lloyd, he tells me and AJ about all this stuff all the time. And then you hear Lloyd talk about it and he goes, well, I'm soft compared to... My dad and his generation, them guys, they just wanted to work. They loved to freaking work. They were mm, (laughs) just mad about everything. But it it just seems like over time, and it's funny to laugh about it and it's funny to think about it, but it's also the problem that it seems like over time we've got further away from the things that made us who we were. Spiritually speaking, you look at what the church used to be. Now I've heard people talk about this. You know, they used to, didn't lock, they used to not lock church doors. That all this equipment could have set up here 50 years ago, and there wouldn't have been a chance of anybody coming through that door to take some of this. Now we lock it up like Fort Knox and have alarms and cameras and lights and sirens and police headed this way if that door gets breached without that alarm being changed. Because times have changed. People have changed. The generations have changed. The standard that's acceptable by all of society has changed. It's okay to be a victim. Hey, it's okay not to go to church. Hey, I understand. You, you've got problems. Everybody has problems. Everybody could justify their bad behavior and not honoring God, and not living for God, and justify it with whatever circumstance is going on, and you know what everybody else would do? Yeah, I get it. I understand. Listen, the standard of serving God hasn't changed. People might have changed, society might have changed, but what it takes to live for God hasn't changed. And the same God, the same God that asked Abraham to offer up Isaac is the same God that we serve today. That's the, it's the same God. The same God that was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is the same God we serve today. That's the, we're serving the same God. That's right. But I question our effort and our heart and our capacity of serving Him. Are we doing enough? Are we doing what it takes? Because if I can look back at a past generation and say, man, they love God more, then I'm not loving God right. If I'm not giving it all, or if if I look at what I do and I say, man, I really feel like I'm doing enough. Because, you know, times are different now. Are they? Society might say they are. But the standard of loving God hasn't changed. This word of God hasn't changed. Jesus Christ said in Hebrews 13:8, and Darwin says this all the time that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. If you have your Bibles, you can go with me. Go with me to Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven, starting in verse 24. It says therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock the rain came down the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against the house yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash Jesus said, you better build your house on the rock. And the rock being Himself. That if if your life is not built on Jesus Christ, you are setting yourself up to be the victim. You're setting yourself up for failure. Some of these circumstances that we get ourselves into, we get upset and we get mad and we look around and we go, man, I don't... It's not fair that I have to go through this. And everybody else, it, just, it looks like their life is peachy. Well, first off, it looks like it is, but it's not. Everybody goes through hard times. Secondly, you reap what you sow. Amen. Sometimes we get ourselves into bad situations <laughs> and bad circumstance, but it's a direct result of what I've chosen to do in my life. And let me tell you something. When you put your faith in medicine and you put your faith and friends that aren't pointing you toward Christ, and you listen to advice from people that aren't godly, and that's what you want to put your faith in, you're building a sandcastle. You're setting yourself up for failure. And you might build something really pretty. Your house might look really pretty. Everything might look fixed up for a while, and it'd be a really pretty, nice, big sandcastle. But when the storms of life come, and they will, Jesus said that they would you will fall with a great crash. And there you'll be, hopeless, broken, hurting. And it's not God's fault. Because Jesus said, build your house on the rock. He said, build your house on the rock. He said, because the storms are going to come. The wind's going to blow. The rain's going to pour down. The streams are going to rise. And it's going to beat against the house. But the house is going to stand. No matter how dark it's going to get, no matter how bad your life gets, the house is going to keep standing because it's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what we've got to do as a church and as a people is we've got to get back to having that house built on the foundation. Knock down the sandcastle and get back to what was working and that's serving and loving Jesus Christ. Putting our faith in Him putting our faith in this Word of God. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and being certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11.1 I'm sure that this Word of God is true. Hey, and there's times in my life when I feel like the clay and I'm, I'm on that spinny thing. You know what I'm talking about? And the clay's all flying around. And I don't I don't really feel the hands of Almighty God working in my life. I don't feel Him shaping me up. I feel like I'm out of control. I feel like I'm spinning. But I've got to be certain of what I do not see. I've got to have faith that God, I don't understand why this is happening to my friends. God, I don't understand why this is happening in my life. But I believe and I have faith that you know what you're doing. And I have faith in the Word of God. That all things work for the good of those who love the Lord, who have been called according to His purpose. You've got to have faith in that. And faith is deeper than, yeah, I agree. That's deeper than that. It's this feeling that comes with from within that says, I know. Not that yeah, I, uh, I know. I want to go to a story in Acts, chapter 16, starting in verse 33. Actually, excuse me, starting in verse 16. And I'm just going to paraphrase through the story. It's Paul and Silas. And it says, Once once we were going to a place of prayer, and we were met by a female slave, and she had the spirit by which she predicted the future, sharing a great deal of money from her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around to her and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates, and they said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against them. Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they were severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. Wow, what a gift from God. I'm out doing your work. This is is coming from the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And him and his buddy, who's also at full-time ministry, serving God, loving God, find themselves in quite a bit of a pickle here. And they're brought before the Romans. And they're not given a trial. They're not given anything. The Bible says they were beaten with rods and severely flogged. This is where the story would end for me. I'm out. I'm leaving. I'm breaking out of prison and I'm leaving. And I'm not going to go through the rest of this. But I want you to put yourself there. Serving God. Imagine you, full-time ministry missionary, foreign country, serving God with all of your heart. You're doing what He called you to do. And here you are, beaten, no trial given. There's supposed to have been a trial. There wasn't a trial. You didn't get to decide your case. You didn't get to do nothing. Nope, you were brought up. You were seized. I don't know what seized looked like back then, but I bet it was a little rougher than what we call seized when we detained somebody. So they were seized and they were dragged out to this, the court square and publicly beaten with rods. Humiliated, no doubt spit on, kicked, mocked, and then they were dragged to prison. And, and the Bible says that they put them on the inner cell. They put them on the very inside. We're going to go down to verse 25. And it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. How is Paul and Silas able to sing praises to God? They're sitting on the very inside of the prison. The most inner cell. Hey, beaten and severely flogged. The Bible says that they had these shackles put on their feet. No doubt Then this says it's about midnight. You turn all these lights off in here and be pretty dim. You take us to the inner cell of a prison that was probably underground. And you take us to the most inner cell, I bet about midnight, it's pretty dark. They probably didn't have a candle back there burning for Paul and Silas. It might have been pretty cold. I can tell you what I would be doing. I'd be complaining, I would be griping. I would be upset. I might even be cussing, and if A.J. was there too, we probably both would be. And we'd be devising a plan. If when we got out, we would hurt people. But see, society's changed. God's word hasn't changed. People have changed. How was Paul and Silas able to sing praises? They were beaten with rods. They were severely flogged. They were thrown into the inner room of prison. It's completely dark. They've got shackles around their feet. And the Bible says that they are singing hymns to God. They're praising God. God, thank you. How are they able to do it? And I'll tell you, this is how. Because their focus and their heart is not set on circumstances. They're not looking at what they're going through. No, their focus and their heart is set on God. That, hey, I might be in prison and my back might be hurting because I've been beaten with rods and severely flogged and I've got these shackles around my feet and it's wearing an awful mighty big blister on the back of my heel. But you know what? I'm going to praise God because I'm going to praise Him in the good times and I'm going to praise Him in the bad times. Why? Because this house is built on the rock and I know that we're going through a storm and the wind's going to blow and beat against the house and the streams are going to rise and the rain's going to come down hard. But I know that I'm built on the rock and I know that it's not going to fall. And greater is He than lives in me than he that lives in the world. So you know what? I'm going to lift up a praise to God. I'm going to praise him because this is not eternity. This is temporary. And I've got my sights and my focus fixed on eternity. Their faith wasn't dependent on the situation. And what I come here to tell you all today is your faith can't be dependent on your situation, it can't be dependent on your circumstances. God loves everyone here. God has a plan for everyone here. And your faith will be tested. There's no doubt there's somebody in this room right now that is going through it. That's going through the hard time. That's being pulled. That's being stretched. And maybe you want to build a house on sand. Maybe you want to do this and do that. But the truth is, is you got to have a house. You gotta have a faith that is built on Jesus Christ. And it won't be easy. Just because you find Jesus, just because you love Jesus, don't mean life's all of a sudden peachy. They got Paul and Silas in a prison cell. But listen, AJ, if you'll come. They got Paul and Silas in a prison cell in the inner room. And the Bible says that about midnight they were, they were praying and they were singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. So you see, all these other people, they probably actually committed crimes to get to where they were at. They were a product of their own decisions. And the Bible says they were listening. Because no doubt that word had got around Hey, they don't, they don't deserve to be here. These guys don't look like criminals. This ain't normal to come in here bloody and bruised and beaten and come in here and get thrown on the, the inner cell. That's the, that's, the, that's the worst cell. It's not normal to come in here and get thrown in the worst place in this prison falsely with no trial and be singing praises to God. And see, when, when you're going through the stuff... And people look at your life and they just see Jesus and they just see a faith in Him. That's different. That's something that everybody else can look to and go, man, I don't know what they've got, but I need it. You see, the light of Jesus shines bright. Let your light shine before others. The Bible says that this jailer Woke up. The Bible says that there was a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison was shaken and all at once the doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The Bible says the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And the jailer called for the lights and he rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and he asked sirs what must I do to be saved? And they replied believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved you and all of your household. What you're going through might not make sense but I've got faith that in all things God works. It might not make sense, the storm that you're going through, but I've got faith that in all things, God works for the good of those who love the Lord. And just because you're going through the mix, don't mean that our faith starts to get put in other things. But when my house is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, and I put my faith and trust up into him, I'm not going to be just a lot to those right around me, but I'm going to be a lot to others. And they're going to look and they're going to say, man, something's different. And that testimony of how you act through them bad situations just might save somebody's soul from hell God's got a plan for you trust in him and build your house on the rock if y'all stand with me every head bowed and every eye closed we don't want to leave here uh, without giving anyone an opportunity to pray So if anybody wants to pray for any reason, consider these altars open. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we, we come to You, Lord, and we're so thankful for who You are. So thankful for Jesus. So thankful, God, that we have a foundation, God, that we can build our life on. Lord, right now, God, I pray for this church. I pray for our pastor, God, that you would strengthen him and encourage him. Lord, I pray for every person here. God, we know that we're going to face hard times. We know that we're going to go through things in life that is hard, that is difficult, that's going to test us, that's going to pull us, God. But right now, we're claiming victory in Jesus' name, God, because we know that we're not going to be defeated, not because of us, but because of you. We put our faith and our trust and our hope in you, and we thank you for everything. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.